You're listening to audio from Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. For more information, go to cbcsavannah.com. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. We shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Father, you are a strong God who promises your presence and your power. Your spirit dwells in your people because of what your son has done. We have sung of your work and we have sung of your character and we have honored you, the, the, the triune God a mystery of mysteries, but yet one that we hold fast to because this book of the law teaches us it. And so I pray as we, we approach your scripture now, we come ready to hear uh, that wherever we've been and whatever's going on in the week, that we just leave it there just for a few moments and that you would speak from heaven through the scripture to your people, that I would get out of the way, Lord, because I'm just a sinful, broken man, but your, your word is truth. And, and you want to, to make your people new and you want to refresh them and you want to renew their minds with truth. And so just may this be a time where we, where we do that. And so help me uh, to ultimately glorify the Son by the Spirit, Father, in your name. So we pray it for your glory. Amen. Thanks, you guys can have a seat. If your Bible, have a phone, have an iPad, have something else, turn to Luke 8 because half of you are turning in your real Bibles and the others are somewhere in the cloud, and that's fine too. It's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, not gonna judge you. Uh, Luke 8 actually preached this text one time before, and as I was kind of getting ready for it, knew it was coming. I knew I had preached it. I just couldn't remember when I had preached it. And worse, I couldn't remember what I preached. Um, and so since I figured I couldn't remember, you couldn't remember either, uh, which is probably true. Um, actually, the last time I preached this text was the last time we were in the old building. Uh, last time we were in four services. So it's probably just I blocked it out of my mind for that. It's like the medieval times in my life, you know, the dark ages. And so I don't remember anything from those two years. Um, but ironically, I can't remember. And it's a sermon. It's a text about hearing. It's about listening, right? Kind of God's sense of humor. Um, nine times in this text, Jesus is going to say, here, 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 here. It is about hearing, right? So can you hear me now kind of thing? 
Have you ever, you've been on a, many of you have been on a plane, maybe some of you have never flew, but you've been on a plane and in the beginning, you know, the, the flight attendant goes through their spiel and literally no one is listening. Right, they're all in every way. She's like, this is how you will live if the plane crashes. And really, that's not true because this little piece of canvas is not gonna do anything when you hit the ground at 500 miles an hour. I'm just telling you. But either way, okay, this is how you, you know, and they do go through all the thing in case of cabin pressure, blah, 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 and no one is listening. Maybe they think, you know what? You know, we're not gonna go on a water landing. We're going to Atlanta. There's no Sully here. Maybe, you know, they're thinking, ah, you know, whatever. I, I just don't need this. But for some reason, no one listens. So that, you know, like right before the takeoff, what has to happen? Flight attendant has to walk up and down the aisle. Sir, could you please put your seat up? There's two whole inches. That's gonna make a big difference in this thing, I know. Right. Uh, so, uh, ma'am, could you, could you please buckle your seatbelt? You know, this takeoff could be bumpy. Uh, sir, you know, could you please put the tray table up? I, they, they don't, no one hears. And Jesus is going to say today, that's kind of the way sometimes people respond to him. People don't listen, right? And so what we're going to talk about today is how can we be good hearers, right? Can you hear me now kind of idea? So this is, let me just encourage you right now. This would be a bad day to fall asleep at church. What was the sermon about? I don't know. I wasn't listening. I think it was about hearing though or something. So this is one of those days you don't want to fall asleep. Because um, we're going to talk about hearing. What does it look like for the followers of Jesus to be good hearers? Right? And, and just like last week, and I love it when it's like this, it's very simple. All right, most of you have probably heard this, this story before. If you've been in the church for any amount of time, it's very simple. It is not easy, but it is very simple. Right? It is very straightforward. And so let's look, Luke chapter eight, we're gonna look at what's been called the parable of the sower. It's not a very good title because it's not really about the sower, it's about the soils, should be called the parable of the four soils, which maybe some of your Bibles actually say. And, and it's really just about four types of people and four different ways people hear. And let me just say, all are here today, all four. This many people, all four of these type of people, these soils are here. And so this is not a time for you to try to figure out what your husband is. You're the rocky, rockhead soil. Okay, this is not a sermon for you to think about what the neighbor needs to be hearing. This is for you, okay? This is for you to figure out which type of soil of mine. So everyone say, this is for me. This is for me. me. All right, so now you're awake and you know what's going on, okay? So let's jump in and let's, 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 let's think about us. All right, verse four. When a great crowd was gathering, the people from town after town came to him and he said in a parable, and let's just stop right there. And so like normal at this point in Jesus's ministry, just everywhere he goes, thousands of people. Thousands of people coming to see him. Thousands of people coming to hear. And there's so many in this instance that Mark's, Mark's parallel account and Matthew say that Jesus had to get into a boat. All right, we've seen that before too, right? Too many people, Jesus climbs into a boat, he sits and he is going to teach. But understand this, Jesus is not really impressed with the crowds. Just remember, he's not like, man, Peter, do you believe this? How awesome is this? All right, all these people, 15, 20,000 people, pretty cool. Maybe we should plant a church. We'll call it something cool, hipster, like church, ship church or boat church or whatever. I always preach from the boat. It's it's not where he's at. He's not after a bunch of people, but what he is after is people who hear. 
People who listen. So he tells them a parable. And a parable, if you're new to the church, is just a, a heavenly story with an, I, I mean, an earthly story with a heavenly point. There's usually one point to every parable. There's a main idea, right? And, and, and it's, Jesus uses common things that people would understand in their day, right? He's gonna use an agrarian, a farmer idea in a second because everyone there is familiar. If he was living today, he might you know, use the NCAA tournament or something that's very, everyone's, it's kind of right out there right now. Everyone gets it. So he's gonna tell this story. So let's look at it. It's a parable. A sower went out to sow a seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Literally, it's just one word, hear, to command. Right? And then he kind of folds up his Bible and he's done. And, and, and just picture this now thousands of people coming. Jesus says, okay, let's begin. There's this guy, he's got some seed, he's chucking it everywhere. Not a great way to, to, to sow, but yeah, that's what he's doing. Some falls over here, boom, crows eat it. Some falls over here, boom, sun eats it. Some fall over here, boom, thorns get it. Other here, a hundredfold, have a nice day, hallelujah. Don't miss the offering box in the back. And you've got to figure, people are like, there's different responses. Some people are like, well, that was amazing. I mean, I, oh, I love birds. Birds are my, oh. Man, I used to skip rocks when I was a kid. It just brought me back to the days when I was a kid. And I love that song, Every Rose Has Its Thorn. Okay, I mean, White Snake or whoever, it was a poison, I don't remember. But it was a somebody 80s boy band. I mean, I love it, man. That just got me right here. He's the best preacher I've ever heard. And others are like, are you kidding me? I came all this way for that? That's not, I'm a farmer, that's not even how you do it. You don't just throw it everywhere, everyone knows that. And others are probably like, hey man, that was awesome. That was short, we will beat the Baptists to the Golden Corral, it is great. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and there's just a lot of confusion. So people go away. And his disciples come up to him and, and, and other texts, it, kinda, it seems like there's this like hesitancy. Everyone's gone, hey, Jesus, that was a great sermon. God, right here, you were en fuego. Did you see how, oh, man, touch me deep. Just, I got one question. Uh, what, what was it about? Because got, we got no clue. Right? And, and in Mark's account, Jesus actually kind of rebukes them. He says, he says, do you not understand the parable? How will you understand all the parables? He basically says, this parable is the key to all the rest of my parables. So you want to understand the rest of what I have to say? You got to get this one. This one about hearing. So I can't believe you guys don't understand this. And you figure, they're like, oh, I got it. But Peter didn't get it. He told me to ask you. <laughs> I, was, I, I completely understood. But so they come and they ask, Jesus, what was this about? We don't get it. And so he, tell, he says, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. You guys are on the inside, right? But for others they are in parables, so that in seeing they may not see. He's quoting Isaiah 6 here. So in seeing they might not see, and hearing they may not understand. So what he's saying, this is kind of like, a, it's a lot deeper discussion than today, but the idea is that Jesus speaks in a way that both reveals and conceals at the same time. That parables are purposely meant to reveal something, but also at the same time concealing. And it all depends on how you respond. If you're like the disciples and you seek more, you get it. 
But if you're like, man, I love birds, that was awesome. And you walk away, that's all you get. And so everything is based on how you respond, right? How you come to him. That, that's, and that's the rest of what Jesus said. And, 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 and that's challenging because some people walk away having no clue, right? Because they don't seek. The, the, the staff is, is heavily engaged in the NCAA tournament bracket challenge that we do every year. And uh, so I was looking at it yesterday to see where I was, and I noticed I'm in, I'm in third place, which is respectable considering I haven't watched the game all year long. And, uh, excuse me, so, but then I noticed that the, the person that's in front of me actually has less points than me. And I'm thinking, why is that? And it's Talavo, all right? To, and, and then I realized, remember that Talavo set this whole deal up in the beginning. <laughs> Okay, and so I go back and I do a little bit of investigative journalism and then I realize, okay, so that when he set this thing up, he purposely set up so that upsets are worth more points than normal picks, all right? So, and number two, he, he sends this long email to the entire staff. It was like six pages, like explaining everything and it's kind of hidden in there. He says, oh, by the way, uh, upsets are worth more and he keeps going on, right? So no one on the whole staff knew this, right? He said, he'll, he'll, he'll deny this because cause he will because he's in second right now. But the reality is no one knew it. And so, but you look at his picks, guess who picked a bunch of upsets? Talavo. Why is he in second place? That's why. Right? But all of us are guilty because, you know what? We just kind of did what I did. I got on the email, I didn't really read it because I don't, you know, it was so long, it was like more than 10 words, I don't read those. And so I just clicked on the link and I just went to it and I made my picks and I just kind of ignorantly did it. If I would have asked questions, if I would have said, hey, how's this work to level? Hey, that, then I would have had more information and more information would have been given to me. That's the idea of what Jesus is saying. Even when you don't get it, if you will seek more, then I'll give it to you, like the disciples. But, but if you're just gonna kind of like, yeah, I love birds, I love rocks, that's great, and walk away, that's all you get. And so they, they come and ask, and he says this. He says, let me explain it to you then. The parable is this. The seed is the word of God, right? And, it's, and it's, there's a lot of similarities, right? Because inside the, the word, I mean, inside the seed is life. Inside the word is life. And, and the immediate context is the, the message of the kingdom, that, that we were created by God to know him, and that we rebelled, and because we rebelled, we were separated from God, but that Christ comes, and he redeems us, and he restores that relationship through his work on the cross and the resurrection. That's the, that's the like, immediate context, but the broader context is the, is the scripture, is that the seed has life, the word has life. And the sower, God is spreading his word everywhere. Seemingly, like that's silly, you're throwing it everywhere. But no, because his desire is for his word to go out. And there's power in the word. And so there's responses to the word. And the first is, is the, the path. And that's what it says. One, that on the path are those who hear, the devil comes and takes it away, the word, from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. This is what we would call the hardened soil, the hardened heart. And, and the problem is not, by the way, the, the road, I mean the devil. The devil made me do it. See, it's all the devil's fault. Well, what, what would happen back then is they'd have these fields and they'd have these rows where people would walk up and down the rows to get from field to field. And eventually it just wears this hard path. And you've seen this, just a hard dirt path. And when anything falls on it, any kind of seed, it's not gonna penetrate the soil because it's too hard. So it's just gonna sit there and eventually the crows and the blue jays and everything else are gonna come and take it away. But the problem is not the, the birds, the problem is that it's so hard, it cannot penetrate it. 
And there are some people that will hear the truth of the gospel, hear the scripture, and they're just so hard. Just like, whatever. The supernatural is for weaklings. Religion is for weak people. I don't need that. All right? Well, it's like the guy in Nacho Libre. I only believe in science, right? That guy. I don't need God. I have this. And you expect me to live my life after the code of some 2,000-year-old Jewish carpenter? That is ridiculous. Do what I want. It's my life. Adam and Eve, give me a break. Noah and an ark. Jonah and a fish. Miracles. Resurrect. That's a joke. And there's a response. And because there's a hardness, the devil sometimes comes and makes it even harder. Right? But it may not be so blatant. It could be people in church. You know, oh yeah, those, those are those are the false people. That's the, the pagan people. It could be people who come to church every week, hear a sermon, and they're like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. No, I don't believe that. This is 2017, come on. Are you telling me I need to live like the 1800s? Really? No, 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 no. I'm gonna do my thing. It's the same hardness. It's just religious hardness. Right? And he says there's people that will hear truth and because they'll reject it because of hard heart, and sometimes Satan will come and make it even harder. And praise God, by the way, that many of us, me, that was us at one point, right? I don't need that. I don't need God. Someone was praying, someone was caring, someone kept reaching out to us, and God changes. Our God is the God who busts open wide rock hearts, right? He takes hearts of, of stone and he turns them into hearts of clay. But that's, that's one response to when people hear the word. It's the hardened heart. Here's the second one. One's on the rock where those, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they have no root and they believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. In that part of the world, there's this limestone bedrock that kind of runs under the whole country and there's a little layer of topsoil that's on top. And so seeds will fall into that and because it's nice and warm, they'll start to grow, but because the root can't bust down into that bedrock, eventually when that hot Middle East sun comes and pelts it, it, it just, it scorches it. Right, because its roots were shallow. And this is the shallow heart. This is the shallow soil. This is the guy who's super excited. He comes to church, he's like, man, I have no, this is the best church ever. He's down front, he's got his hands up, he's clapping hands. He goes to some sort of, you know, Chris, uh, Christian Disneyland, some, some big concert, some, some big conference, and he comes back and, I wanna be a youth pastor, I wanna be a missionary, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. He, he's literally on every service team in the church. He can't, he, he's there more than us. And then, what does the text say? A time of testing, right? And, and all that is, is life. <laughs> this is normal things in life. Life gets hard. It's depression, there's anxiety, there's a loss of job. Everything's not happy, happy. Someone in church hurts their feelings, someone lets them down, right? There's a sin that they, they're just struggling with and they're, and they're called to deny it and they just don't really feel like it. Marriage is on the rocks. You know, there's a miscarriage or the kids are doing this and all the excitement is gone and so were they. They fall away. Let me tell you, I've only been doing this for 10 years and I cannot tell you how many people I've baptized, how, even some people that we, that we married and two, three years later, you can't even get them to email you back. And they still live here. You'll run into them at Starbucks. Hey, how are you? Oh, great. I've been real sick the last five years, Pastor. <laughs> real sick. Man, this stomach bug is bad. Where are they at? 
Jesus tells me. And, and you know, that you might say, well, that's kind of depressing, isn't it? It is a little bit, but I mean, it, it happened to Jesus. And he's the best preacher ever. And he's telling me this is going to happen and there's gonna be people that are just shallow and they're real excited for a, a time and had this great experience and they walked an aisle and they prayed a prayer and they're nowhere to be found. He says that it was a shallow. It's, it's the soil's fault, not, it's not the seed. Here's the third. As for what fell among the thorns, there are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. This is the strangled soil. And in and, and that, and that part of the country, they have you know, these big thorn bushes. They grow to be six feet tall, but they start out real small and they start out looking just like the fruit. And for a while they grow together and you think, isn't that great? But eventually as these things start to show their nature, they're thorns and, and they start fighting for the same nutrients in the soil as the fruitful plant. And eventually every time the weeds and the thorns win. And Jesus said, there's gonna be those who are running fine. They went to youth camp. They went to the college group. They were in the CBC Next. They went on a missions trip. And eventually, just life chokes them. The cares and riches, literally the word means the worries. Right, I got a mortgage. I gotta pay health insurance. I got a 401k. I got two cars. I gotta do college. I gotta go on vacation. I'm 45 and I don't look as good as I did when I'm 21, so I gotta spend four hours at the gym every week. I got Instagram. I got all these things. And none of those in themselves are bad, but they become all consuming so that the things of God are literally choked out. So there's no life. And it, look, this is the slow one. Because for a while they're there and a while it looks like they're the same and eventually, boom. And so there comes a point where everyone out there is having so much fun. Look how much fun the world is. Oh, and I'm here, I'm a miserable Christian. I can't do anything because everyone knows Christians are miserable and everyone knows that God is down on joy and down on pleasure and down on riches and everyone out there is having so much fun and we're out here. So you know what? I'm done with this. I'm gonna do what I want. And it just shows how broken we are when we see what God calls death out there as life. Yeah, going out with a bunch of different people and using them and throwing them away and and not only just leaving a train wreck behind me but leaving a train wreck in my soul, that's life, that's good, that's the good life. And self-medicating and spending all night throwing up and feeling lousy the next day, that's life. That's the good life, right? Or, Or racking up thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of credit card debt. And we make great money, but we live week to week. That's the good life. That's the good life, right? Or one moment of of pleasure that's going to destroy my entire family and have repercussions for generations with my kids. That's the good life. One more project, one more week where I'm working 75 hours, one more stack of papers I gotta get through, I know my family's, you know, my, I haven't seen my kids in weeks and I haven't spent time with my wife, but this is the good life because I'll be making X. And it's, it's, Matthew calls it the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of pleasures because there's a deceit to it. Right, and there's nothing wrong with working hard. I'm not saying that. But when those things become all consuming, they choke out the spiritual life. And I would... If I was going to say, which one, Bill, do you think the American church, do you think CBC struggles with? This is the one. Right? This is the one. Because we are, have it so good. 
because we have it so good. And, and here's, just, just let me give you just a, for lack of a better term, a pastoral lesson that I've seen in the last 10 years. And I've, I would never have thought it. I didn't believe it. I always heard it in church, but I didn't believe it because when I was a poor school teacher, I was like, yeah, I don't believe that. And I was a poor seminary student, I was like, yeah, I don't believe that. I have seen it in the last 10 years that stuff does not make people happy. I promise you. Now, when I was making $22,000 a year, I'm like, let me try, please. Can I try it for like a year? The stuff. I'll believe you at the end. I've seen it. I've seen people that have, can go anywhere they want in the world at any time, can buy anything they want at any time. They have everything they want and they are miserable. Miserable. Why? Because it's the deceitfulness of riches. And there's nothing wrong if God has given you those things. He gives some people things so that they can be generous. But it will not satisfy. It never does. And we, you've seen this a little bit, right? I mean, you, you know, you're like, you get the, you're like, if I just had $5,000 more, if we just got a $5,000 raise, honey, we'd be in great shape. You get $7,000 raise, and you're like, man, we just need 10. No, we just need 15. We just need 20. It's always, there's always, it's the next thing. Because it'll never set it. Why? Because Jesus, it chokes the, it'll choke the mess out of you if you let it. And that is sometimes what happens. Keeps people from running well. Keeps people from bearing fruit, right? And if you want a great example of, of biblical example of what does this look like, look at Judas Iscariot who would trade Jesus in for 20 bucks. The love of money. He, he literally betrays the one he spent the last three, three and a half years with for nothing, Right? That's where it leads. And so those are three ways. Obviously, I mean, that's pretty clear. These are ways Jesus would say, these are not good hearers, okay? Let's talk about, let's talk about the fruitful. Okay, this is, this is the one we want, right? This is the one we're, we're striving after. He says this, as for that in the good soil, notice he says it's the good soil, right? This is the good soil. They are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience, Okay, and then I'm, as I'm studying again this passage, what is the difference between these soils? They all get the same seed. So it's not, you know, it's not, oh, they had better seed with fertilizer. No, no, no. They all get the same seed, right? And you know what? Everyone faces the devil and everyone faces hardship and everyone faces temptations. So it can't, it can't be those things, right? We all get different temptations. You get this way, you get this way. Everyone faces hardship. Everyone's got harder life than this. So it's not that. What is the difference that makes this soil so different? It's that they hear and they hold fast. And it's a word that's, it's tenacity. It's clinging to without letting go. Saying, this is good. This is what I want. Our, our, our intelligent dog, Milton, loves to eat pencils. Every day you find a pencil. You know, he always goes in like an off room that you won't find it for like a week because then he knows he gets in trouble. And just find pencil shards, just a little, little pile. And, and if he gets a pencil, you are not getting it out of his mouth. I, I can offer him a bone. I mean, here's our brand new rawhide. Look at this. You want this? He's, he, I mean, I will have to, I cannot pry the pencil out. I'm like, you're going to get lead poisoning. He doesn't care. <laughs> that, 
that tenacity. This is what I want. This is good. You're not going to lure me with a milk bone. You're not going to lure me away from what I want. It's that tenacity. That's the idea of, of the tenacity of here's the word. This is good. I'm going to hold fast to it in a good heart. And when that happens, what does it say? They bear fruit. And that's a very churchy word. If you're new to the church, you're like, what is bear fruit? That's kind of weird. It's like Minute Maid or something. It's just a metaphor for the character of Jesus. That's what it is. The, the looking more and more like Jesus Christ. And so we, we would go as a church to like the fruit of the spirit, right? The nine fruit of the spirit. And a couple weeks ago, apparently, some of my staff made, made me aware that when I quoted them, I only quoted eight because they're really good listeners, the staff. And so they wanted to point out, you know, they didn't hear about the love piece, but they wanted to know that I couldn't count the nine, right? I left out faithfulness. So just sorry if you guys were one of those ones. But as we hold fast in a good heart, we bear fruit. And so there's, there's more love. And there's, there's gentleness. And there is faithfulness as I respond. So God says, you're going this way. You're heading in this direction. This is the decision you're making. And the word is standing there and says, no, 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 this is the wrong way. So what do I do? In a good heart, I say, that is good. And so I turn around. That's fruit. Right? So I know, you know, I got struggle with my mouth and I, and I use a lot of curse words. It's kind of filthy. And so, and I know what scripture says that let no unwholesome thing come out of my mouth. So I'm, I got the word and it says this and here's what I'm, I'm faced with a choice. And if I turn and say, you know what? I'm gonna start working on that. I'm gonna start praying about that. I'm gonna ask my buddies to ask me questions. I'm gonna have my wife make me put a dollar in a jar every time I say something. And, and there's fruit as I, as I respond to the word, as I hold fast to it, Right? It's, it, we make it so difficult in the church. You gotta have like all these terms and ologies and you know, all these things. It's really not. The word says this. I hear the word. I believe the word. I do what the word says. That is it. That is very simple. It is not always easy, but it is super simple, y'all. And, and here's the part of the verse that I really don't like. Now, I wanna skip really, really, but I can't. It says, with patience. Because fruit does not happen overnight. And we love overnight in the church. That's why churches have invitations, and I'm not down on invitations, although they came around in the Second Great Awakening 150 years ago, and they were used to, to manipulate people into a quick decision, come down front, listen to 75 verses of Just As I Am, and eventually you will just wear you down. But the problem with that whole idea is 10 years later, after all those people came down front of Just As I Am, they were gone, and they weren't in the church. And, and, and we have to have the long view, this with patience, fruit does not happen overnight. So if, I, if I'm working on my mouth and I say, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna not curse, I'm gonna, I, I, this is where I'm at right now. And so I make it 24 hours and I'm like, man, I made it 24 hours. Well, my next goal is 48 hours. See if I can make 48 hours. And it's over time, it's with patience. Nothing fruitful happens quick. A couple months ago, I was like, I need, you know, I need, to, I need to drop some LBS. I'm gonna, I need to start running again. So I go run one time, and what do I do? I go right to the scale. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> That's how some of us are in a spiritual life. I just ran like four miles. I should be like 10 pounds lighter. That's how I feel. And so what do I do? I run for a week. I go back to the thing. Come on, man. I'm two pounds heavier. What in the world? And over time, and I've been trying to, you know, run and get in shape and trying to drop my miles down under seven minutes again. And so, but I'm starting off, it's like eight minutes, 7.55, 7.51, 7.48. It's taken two months 
just to get down 45 seconds. That's the idea of with patience. It's not quick. It's, and when you fall, you get back up and we go again. But that's the idea he's saying. You hear the word, you respond over the long haul. And here's the beauty of it. Over time, as we do this with patience, God brings the fruit. It's not you that brings the fruit. It's that God brings the fruit. And he said in the parable, a hundredfold. Think about that. Think about the small little seed that's just tiny, tiny, but the great amount of fruit, a hundredfold, that can be brought just by one heart that responds. See, that's what God wants to do in his people. That's why he's not interested in the masses. He doesn't need the masses. He took 12 guys and he changed the world. He just needs a couple hearers who respond and he brings Unbelievable fruit, fruit that you can't even fathom. You have potential. You were created by God in Christ for good works. That's, that's what he's created you for, that you might walk in them. He's already prepared the good works beforehand, is what Paul says. And he wants, he wants to do this in us. We have unbelievable potential by the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. If we just hear and respond. Very simple. And Jesus kind of drives home this point with two more little quick statements here. He says, he tells another parable. Go ahead to the slide. Uh, maybe not, there it is. No one after lighting a lamp, he switches his metaphors, which is not good English, but it's Jesus, so he can do what he wants. Uh, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. What does he do? Puts it on a stand. You don't put your lamp under your bed. Hey, honey, could you turn the light on? Yeah. I can't see it. Well, that's because I put it under the bed. It looks good down there. He says, no, you don't do that. He says, you do it so everyone can see. That's the Christian, so that everyone can see, so that we bear fruit, so that we glorify our Father in heaven. He says, nothing is hidden that will be made manifest. Anything secret that will not be made known, it will come to light. And then he drives home the point again. So, therefore, take care how you what? Hear. For the one who has, more will be given. That's the disciples. And the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. You respond to the truth, God gives you more. You don't. He says, it's taken away. And then even further, he says, I love this part. His mother and his brothers come to him. And at this point, y'all, his brothers think he is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. They do, th they do not believe in him. They do not believe in him until after the resurrection. None of his brothers become followers until after the resurrection. Even the great James, who heads up the church in the book of Acts, is right now a skeptic and thinks his brother has lost it. And so you can imagine they're, they're like, Jesus is embarrassing us and himself. Somebody go get him. And he's told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. And he answered, my brother and my mothers are who? Are those who hear the word of God and do it. Who are my family members? It's not James and Judas and Joseph and the, and the sisters. They're, it's not, they're not my family members. My family is those who what? Hear and do. How many times has he said it? All right? So let me, let me just, as we move to worship, I told you it's, this is super simple. And I'm actually gonna be short again today. I'm always short again, but I'm gonna be short in the sermon. <laughs> it's a miracle. I mean, you guys have been praying hard this week. <laughs> let me just ask four questions as we move to worship, to respond. And, and just one word questions. First is, is which? And, and the question the text forces us to ask is, which soil are you? Because in the end, only one is true as a true follower. 
And there's always, look, there's always evidences of all these in our life, right? There's gonna be times when I'm a hard-headed guy and there's gonna be times when I'm distracted. I'm not saying that the potential is not there to be all for, but which one characterizes your life? I mean, are you the person that comes in every week? You're like, yeah, 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 I'll do that later when I've had my fun, when I grow up, I'll be like my parents and go to church. If that's you, you need to understand if you're hardening your heart that at one point the devil comes and it makes it very difficult for you to believe. Don't just assume that you'll do this when I get to be 65. Or if you're like, yeah, I know that Bill's saying X, but really I don't believe that. And you know, I really don't care what the scripture says because I'm gonna do Y. It's, 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 you're, you're hardening your heart. And that's not towards me. This is not me. This is the Lord Jesus, the God of the universe. His precious word that he has breathed out for you so that you would know him and experience fullness of life, right? So you gotta ask the question, which one am I, right? Second question is how? How are you exposing yourself to truth? How are you exposing your heart to the word of God? And it doesn't have to be sitting down in a coffee shop. That seems to be the hipster cool thing to do now. But I mean, it could be sitting in a car listening to a podcast. It could be reading a devotional in your bed. It can be getting your, one of our, our daily breads and spending some time there. It can be memorizing. But how are you regularly exposing yourself to truth? Because look, you are, you are being bombarded by everything and you don't even know it. Commercials, billboards, worldviews, news. And, and if you are not careful, you will be conformed to this world, Paul says, instead of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and when you're being conformed, you don't even know it usually. The word that he uses in Romans 12:1 is that you're being squeezed into a mold. So you're being squeezed into something and you don't even know it, that's the danger of it. Unless you are transforming, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we wanna be a people, and look, this is one area to do it, the 40 minutes or so that we teach on a Sunday, but that's just one little bit a week. You need to be having regular times where the truth is kind of washing over you. So if, you, if that's not a regular point in your life, and look, I know we're busy, everyone's busy. Raise your hand if you're not busy. Okay, good, so no one raised their hand, just so you know, all right? Uh, so everyone's busy, we just established that, but you will make time for that which you value. So if you wanna, if you wanna go exercise, you're gonna spend 40 minutes running. You just are, and that's good. And, and if you, you know, you're like, I, I don't wanna you know, take some pictures down on the beach, you're gonna, you're gonna value that. You wanna get on Facebook, you're gonna watch Netflix, you will spend time doing what you value. And so what we need to be a, a church that does is just treasures time with Jesus. That's, that's what we want. And so here's, here's your homework for this week. If, you're, if this is a regular thing for you or not, if you have a regular time where you're doing it, whether it's in the car or whatever, walking in the morning, great. If you don't, take four times this week, just 30 minutes. 30 minutes, all right? That's two hours total. Right, and maybe you, you want to split it up into 15 minutes, you know, whatever. But the, the ne- next week, we're gonna look at four different miracles. It's the next, really, four paragraphs in Luke. Why don't you spend one a day, just read one miracle, okay? One is, is on the water, one is you know, Jesus raising someone from the dead. Just spend one day, 30 minutes, reading through that, and then pull out your little journal, a piece of paper, or whatever, your phone, and just write thoughts down, ask questions, you're like, well, my thoughts will be dumb. Well, it's just between you and God, so he's not gonna think you're dumb. That was a dumb question. Don't ask that question. You're spending time with him, right? And here's a little prayer you can say right beforehand. You read the book of Samuel. Little Samuel's like four or five years old. He's in the temple. God is trying to get his attention, and, and Eli the priest tells him, say, say this. When you hear this voice again, say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Just say that. 
Speak, Lord, for your servant hears and open the scripture and just spend some time. Write down thoughts. What do I need to, th- what, do, what does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about myself? What should I do based on this? Do I need to know something? Is there a promise to claim? Is there a, a path of obedience? And just trust the Holy Spirit that lives in you, Christian, that he's gonna, he's gonna speak to you. He's gonna use his word. He does it all the time, right? Just a bunch of people hanging out with the Lord Jesus through his word. That's what we want, right? That's your homework. That's the how, right? Here's the what. The question we gotta ask is, what's next? Sometimes the spiritual life is like a GPS. Like we always like to know the end result, but sometimes following Jesus is literally you just, you got one turn at a time, right? You know, your GPS says, in one mile, turn left on the red. And what do you need to know at that point? The only thing you need to know is turn left on the red. Well, what do I do after that? Don't worry about it. Turn left on the red. <laughs> and then when you turn left on the red, now in one quarter mile, bear right on, boom. That's the way sometimes the, the Christian life is. You don't know the whole deal, but what God gives you is just enough for now. And, and sometimes, oh, well, what do I do next? Just do this first. And so for you, you got to ask, what's next? What is, this, what is the word that God has put out for you that you need to obey this now before you get the next thing? Because, oh, what do I do this? Or Just do that. If you're not doing this, why should I give you the next three turns? You're not even turning yet. And so is there some sin that you have been kind of coddling and playing with that you need to deny? That's what's next. Is there a relationship in your life that needs to be reconciled that you just haven't made the phone call or haven't sent the email or haven't gone to the house? You're just like, well, you know, I don't, that you, that's tearing you up that you need to do. And until you do that, you don't get the next turn. All right, is there, is there some habit that, you, you know, I, I kind of eat really bad and, you know, it's just the way we Southern Christians do. No, we Southern Christians don't. You take care of the temple. Right? Is, is there some, you know, whatever I need to deny? My entertainment choices, are they really, are they having an impact on my mind and on my heart? And so you gotta ask, and it's gonna be different for all of us, all 600 and whatever of us, it, with God the Holy Spirit's gonna say, you do this, this is for you next, and this is for you next, and you need to just start doing this. And it's not just the big people, it's for the, the young people too, teenagers, this is for you. Maybe yours is probably, you need to obey your parents. I'm pretty much sure it is. But whatever's next, that's what we do. And maybe you're like, well, I got questions about stuff. Well, what's next for you is to fill out a connect card and say, I wanna meet with somebody because I got questions, throw it in the box. Maybe you've been coming for a year and a half. And you're like, well, I don't know anybody. Well, are you in a service team or are you in a community group? No and no. Well, then there you go. So maybe for you, it's I'm gonna jump on a service team or I'm gonna jump into a community group. But that's what's next. Very simple, sometimes difficult. And the last thing is this. Last question is Why? Is it worth it? Why should I do it? And my answer would be this. Look, the, the Christian life is sometimes hard. And sometimes when we are faced with what Jesus says to do, it is going to be difficult. It is. Because you've been getting life from this and that, and it's, you think you've been getting life from it, and Jesus says, turn to this, and now that's gonna feel like a death because it is. You're putting to death the deeds of the flesh. And it is hard and difficult sometimes. If there's an addiction, it is hard. If there's been a relationship, it is hard. It just, it just is. But we gotta come back to what Jesus says. Is it worth it? I have come to give life and give life abundantly. It's either true or it's not. It's either true or it's not. And, and, and for those who are tired, and I know you are, because I am, sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes, believe it or not, I don't feel like getting up and preaching. But 
Here's what, here's what Paul says. I'll, I'll close with this. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Why? For in due season, when's due season? Sometimes the season's long, y'all. But in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. And one day, whether it's in 20 years or maybe it's in 80 years, you will stand before Jesus of Nazareth, the the God of the universe, and you will hear, well done. And I promise you at that point, that due season, it will be worth it. Right, it'll be worth it. Because you will not be one that said, he said, why did you call me Lord and you didn't do what I say? He'll say, well done. Enter into the joy of your master. Which soil are we? Are we hearing the word? Are we responding to the word? This is, by the way, our S on our specs, that we as followers just submit ourselves to the truth of God's word and we do it. That's what, that's what we wanna be. He who has ears to hear, hear, right? So let me pray and we will worship. Um, and if you just there reflect on that question, which am I? What's next, God? Ask God, the Holy Spirit, to reveal that to you now. I promise you, if you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be open unto you. Your God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know his will for you. So if you would pursue him, if you would run after him, he will make himself clear. So maybe as a body, we're just gonna do that now as we worship. So why don't you stand, we'll pray, and we'll sing a couple songs in reflection. Father God, I thank you just for the simplicity of of the Lord Jesus and his teaching that he wants us to follow. Um, I just pray for your church that that we would be seed, not that that is hardened or rocky or thorny, that we would be fruitful, just bearing fruit because of simple obedience, simple following you, that you would bear fruit in us. Lord, that you would do a great and mighty work in a people who uh, just need you to. Um, for some here who have listened to the word time and time again and hardened themselves, Lord, break the hardness of their heart. For those who are choked out, Lord, uh, take the weeds in their heart out so that they can live an abundant life with you. Um, and just give us courage, like, like I read earlier, that you will give us strength, that, that we are to be strong and courageous, not to be afraid, for you are with us wherever we go. Uh, and so we just count and trust in that, Lord Jesus, for your namesake. Amen.